0: Welcome to Making Fit Work. I'm your host, Nina McGough, certified personal trainer and nutrition coach and busy mom of two. I'm committed to helping you get real results by sharing best practices and life hacks to staying consistent. I also regularly interview other busy professionals who have mastered the ability to juggle it all while staying the course with their health and fitness.
1: Let's get started. All right, this is so exciting. Thank you so much for being here with me today, ladies. I am super honored to have you all. I know that your time is important and you're all super busy, so I appreciate you taking the time uh, to chat with me, my listeners, today. I just wanted to go ahead and quickly introduce everybody. I've got three of some pretty amazing coaches who have been in this industry for what feels like a lifetime for a lot of trainers, right? There are not a lot of trainers who uh, last more than even sometimes five years. So we've got a lot of experience on our hands today. Uh, Jennifer Kirsch is with us. She's out of Connecticut. She's a fitness and nutrition coach to women over 40. And she's been doing that for over 25 years now. Thank you so much for joining me, Jennifer. Thank you. Uh, Nicole Blasi is a certified personal trainer and nutrition coach for over 23 years and the co-host of Eat Right Nutrition podcast. Thank you, Nicole, for being here. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Laura Mahoney has been a certified strength and conditioning coach for the last 10 years. And on top of her own fitness business, she's a full-time mom to a six-month-old cutie and a
2: spoiled Bernese mountain dog. Yeah? Yeah, that's right. you
1: so spoiled. (laughs)
2: But nice to meet you. And thanks for having us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So before we dive into this big topic today... Jennifer, let's start with you. Tell me a little bit about how you got started in this industry.
3: People always think personal trainers are athletes, right? But that's not always the case. I was active as a teenager, but when I went to college, I actually took a job at a gym because I needed a part-time job. And I worked at the front desk, and then I worked in the weight room. And I started just really getting into fitness then and learning how to strength train. And I was learning, like, but this was back in like 1988, 89. <laughs> so- back then, they didn't really have personal trainers, they had physical therapists, but that was ah. my first exposure to it. And I just fortunately learned like how to lift at a young age. And um, I just always stuck with it. And so I had my kids very young, I had my kids in my early 20s. And I was just getting out of college. And I just wanted to get a job. And I was like, I got to do something that I can be around with the kids, but working right. out's really important to me. And I you know, I look back now, it's like just I, I lined myself up to have a lifestyle that was important to me. And I health and fitness was like priority number one. So I just figured out a way to monetize it, <laughs> to make yeah. money. So I started by teaching step aerobics and high-low and body sculpting and that kind of thing. And that was like in the early 90s. And then I went on and became a personal trainer in 1997. And then the rest is kind of history. So as my kids grew up, it was always a great job to have with them because it allowed me to really, you know, to put my family first, but then to also always have time to do that other part was really important. to me. And over the years, tons of certifications later, I have found myself specializing in women in particular over 40. And that just, I never really actually specifically niched to that until it just seemed that was like, that's who I have. Like that's right. coming to me. And so, you know, right now my clients range in age from uh forty four
1: to seventy nine. Wow, that's amazing. So yeah,
3: and it's really fun and I feel really, really fortunate to work with some awesome people and some like my longest standing client, i we've been training for twenty years. Wow.
1: That's awesome. That says a lot, Jennifer. I guess so. It yeah. really does. <laughs> I can relate to that. Like I was never an athlete growing up to I joined a gym with my mom when I was 15 because she didn't speak good yeah, English. Yeah, She told me if I filled out the paperwork for her, she'll pay for my gym membership. And so she would just go and <laughs> walk on the treadmill and then I was like, I'm going to explore all these things. Like, so I can, I can relate to that. Nicole, how are you? I'm good. Hello. Tell us about, because I don't think I knew your story. I mean, I've known you forever, but I don't think I know how you initially got into the fitness industry.
4: I actually got into the fitness industry because I was in the dance world. I was a ballerina. That I knew. And I got injured, which most dancers do at some point in their career. And as my career as a dancer slowly started to fade away, I... Was in physical therapy for a number of injuries, and of course, when you go to physical therapy, the first thing they tell you is you need to get stronger in certain areas, which is why you get injured as a dancer. Um, and I found the weightlifting room and found a whole new addiction, yeah. <laughs> and excitement, and way to you know challenge my body like a dancer. And you know, honestly, the rest is history from there. And then I started. Getting into the nutrition end of things. I mean, obviously, nutrition is a huge part of the dance community, but you blend the two together. And I, you know, found myself in the training world. And then you and I know each other from the competitive side, because as a dancer, the competitor in me still wanted to kind of chase after some of those higher end goals. So I started doing fitness competitions and bikini competitions. And so my client range is pretty diverse, from dancers, athletes, competitors, and then general population.
1: Are you still doing competitions now?
4: Myself personally, no, but I do have yeah. a, case, a bunch of um, competitors in my caseload, so that's awesome. I get to live vicariously through them. Yeah. They do the hard work, and I can just, you know, enjoy yeah. the process through them. And <laughs> as
1: they're going through those growing
4: pains, you can be like, right.
1: ah, "I get that. I remember. Yes,
4: I feel their pain from the outside." <laughs> I love that, Laura.
1: Tell us a little bit about you and how you
2: first got started. Yeah, it was kind of an accident, also. Um, So I grew up like overweight. I didn't know a thing about what like health was between fitness and nutrition. Um, My dad took us to the gym, you know, when we were kids, but that was because you know we didn't have anyone to watch us. So like we watched him at the gym, and we had the opportunity to observe what was going on and/or do things if we wanted to, but. My brother and I just hung out there because we didn't like working out. So (laughs) that's what we did. And then, you know, throughout the years, as I was getting to be a little bit more overweight and more unhealthy, you know, I was told I should lose some weight. I was told I should become more healthy, but I didn't really know how to. And then, you know, my educational side, I was always, I love science. I love anatomy. I love physiology. That was my favorite class in high school. And then when I went to college, I had to choose a major. And I read about kinesiology and I thought it sounded awesome. So I just chose it randomly because it sounded like a really cool thing to learn. And that was it. And then once I got into college and I made you know, my friend group, I was around people that liked to work out and like go to the gym. So they kind of took me under their wing and took me to the weight room with them. And same thing, the rest is history. I grew to really love weightlifting. I learned about health like from my own experience and then from you know my education once I got further into it. And then I moved to Boston, and I became a trainer. And I had really good mentors, um, and a lot of good support systems around me to further my career in it. And I was a competitive power lifter. I dabbled in you know different styles of workouts. I have same thing different a bunch of different certifications, and I grew to kind of create this like hybrid strength training style um, that I get to have with my clients. And then my clients also range from people who have thought about competing in powerlifting competitions to, you know, people in their 80s and kind of everything in between. Amazing.
1: Okay, this is random. But Laura and Nicole, do you guys know each other?
2: No.
4: I I don't think we've ever met, no.
2: When you were introducing yourself, I felt like we should have
1: known each other. (laughs) I know, right? Oh, so interesting.
4: Yes, because you guys
1: worked at the same gym, but different locations.
4: Oh, we do? Wait, really? Yeah. Health.
2: Is it HealthWorks? I'm I saying? worked at
4: HealthWorks, yeah, over, oh, man. It's been in over 10 years, but yeah. I right? know. Just on Hill.
2: Yeah, I was there, what, 2015 to 2017 in Brookline, though. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. a small That's
1: how I know Laura.
2: Yeah. Oh, okay, got it. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all
1: right, so let's get in. I really was thinking about, like, all right, what would be a good topic for listeners starting in the new year, right? We all know that. People really start reprioritizing their health and fitness. They start maybe setting some new goals for them. And I know sometimes people struggle with this, right? Like how to set goals, how do they truly accomplish the things that they've been trying to work towards all year and maybe fell off. So I came and thought of this title of like the top four reasons uh, you're truly not getting results, but I didn't want it to come from just me. I wanted it to be a collaborative effort. So. That's why I thought of you ladies. So let's start off. Let's dive right in. Jennifer. Yeah. When we talked about top reasons, you had said something to me about accountability. Let's talk about that.
3: Yeah. Specifically what I, I don't know. Have Has anybody read the book, Atomic Habits? I've heard of it. I haven't read it. No. Yes, ma'am. It's really super straightforward, but I love how he says, you know, really we fall to the level of our systems.
4: So, mm-hmm. one of the
3: systems in staying, you know, in not reaching your goal, a goal setting is great, but you need to have a system to help you get there. One of those, to me, one of those big points is setting yourself up to have some system of accountability. Mm-hmm. So, what is that? What can that look like? I mean, we can set a goal, but how are we going to keep going when the motivation wanes, right? It's easy to say, yeah, you know, I want to be motivated and I'm, I'm going to do this, but this is why people fall off. So, I think you know a couple of tips that I would encourage people to have is when they're trying to do something new after the first of the year to create how to create accountability. I mean, not everybody can afford to hire a personal trainer. I know many of my clients have said to me, part of the reason why they do continue to train is because of the, the accountability. They are quite literally putting their money where their mouth is and paying me to make sure that they have their appointment on you know these days a week that happens through groups. It happens through private training. It happens, you know, have all sorts of different things, but that's coming from my client's words, you know, accountability that I set that system up for them. But I would also say that, you know, they're, they're good on goals. They're good on creating a support system for themselves and whether that support system is happening. I know, you know, in post pandemic life, that's very different, right? Because not everybody is comfortable to go to a gym or they're not going to gym, but even places like the Orange Theories of the World or the CrossFit box or whatever, there's a community built in, you know, and there's there's accountability there. But it's really up to the exerciser to seek that out to help them stay consistent. Setting a schedule, I think, is a huge way you can, you know, implement some accountability, whether that is signing up for a class or an appointment with a trainer, but also just most people. And I don't know about you all, but I know for myself, like I do better when I schedule when my workout is going to happen put it in the calendar. Yeah, just, absolutely. Just like I would a client because I have to make time for myself. I'm sure you can all agree like that. You're the one that goes last. <laughs> right.
1: So I'm going to chime in hands up. I know people can't see us. If everybody, all of your friends and family think that you should just be in the best shape of your life. Cause you work at a gym. <laughs> Always. Absolutely. Right? And you're like, uh, I have to schedule my workouts and make it a priority. too. Well, I always say, I'm like, and trust me, there's nothing
3: less motivating than having trained clients for seven hours and then still having to do your own
2: workout. It's hard. That's probably the hardest part of it all. And yep. so I'm chiming in also that oh, yeah. the typical response, right, is, oh, you're a trainer. You just get paid to work out. You get to work out with your clients. You're like, definitely not. Like yeah. I'm not going to be a good coach. I'm not going to be a good trainer if I'm just doing my own right. stuff, which would be awesome, but yeah. it doesn't work like that. And then- yeah you said at the end of the day, that's the last thing you want to do is to do more training, even if it's for yourself. Right. For sure. Yeah. So I know,
3: you know, back to the accountability thing, I think as I was thinking about it, you know, having a schedule, setting goals for sure, starting there, having a schedule, creating a support system, however that looks, you know, whether it's group exercise in a real-time setting, in an online setting, in a one-on-one setting, however that looks for you, you know, even a friend, we always hear that like, oh, get a workout, buddy. That can be great and sometimes not so great, right? Because if you have a workout buddy that's not always so motivated or always comes up with an excuse of why they can't make it, like that right there has a built-in, you know, problem in and of itself. I'm sure we've all been there. Yeah. You know, with people kind of flaking on you. So I think when you're in a larger group setting or a one-on-one setting, it's a little easier to to keep yourself accountable. Um but the last thing I did want to add Nina before we move on is that I think one thing I found this helpful for myself And I encourage my clients to do this when they are trying to start a new habit is to keep a journal. Mm. They can begin to see where they slide when they feel like sliding. Even if it's something so small as to leave yourself a voice memo, like, I really don't want to go to the gym right now, but I'm going to make myself go you know, like something. But knowing like, and why is right. that? You know, was I stressed from the day? Did I not sleep enough? But really just because I think when you can become an observer as to where you maybe um, need to work on some, sk- setting yourself up to have better habits and skills, that's another way that you can stay accountable to yourself is just to notice that you're, when you're trying to talk yourself out of the thing that you're trying to do. Yeah,
1: I really like that. I like what you're saying about, yes, having a workout buddy is great but you almost have to find someone if you're especially if you're new to exercise and you can guys let me know what you think that who's like more motivated than you right like maybe someone's oh, yeah. who been doing this longer than you like I have a one of my best friends thankfully like my only friend who's into fitness if I'm like dragon before my workout I'll be like Ugh, I'll text her like I don't feel like it. And she'll be like, I didn't feel like it either. I did it this morning. Do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But if you've got someone else who like you guys are starting together, like that might be harder. What do you guys think about that?
4: Yeah. I think it's a balance. You have to find someone that's going to keep you on the hook and keep you accountable is a great word. They're going to lift you up and push you and drive you to do better. If they're going to, I hate to use the word, bring you down, but kind of pull you away from the goal then that might not be the person that you want to, you know, link yourself up with. So whether it be someone that's been in the industry or been working out for a longer period of time or someone that's just starting out that has the same type of drive or attitude, positive attitude towards it's okay if you didn't get the whole workout in, but you did something that's going to just push a little bit more as we move into consistency, you know
1: be honest there is something to be said for hiring a personal trainer if you do have the means, right and a coach whether it's in-person training or coach same thing jennifer i have clients who are just super busy with their jobs they have super demanding jobs could they do it on their own sure Mm -hmm. they could but what gets them going is that appointment
3: Yeah. And I agree with you. And it was when we were talking about, you know, thinking about this question and I just thought, okay, what's a different take on this? Another example of that. So I teach online, I teach some small groups online and, um, you know, those groups are anywhere between like seven and 10 people. They're not huge, but they're good. You know, they're, they're big enough that there's always a community of people there that are showing up, but on a zoom call. And, you know, I jokingly said that it's like, you know, no one really wants to be doing burpees in their living room at seven o'clock in the morning. However, they know that I'm waiting for them. I have programmed a workout that's going to be different every week. They're there for each other. They have a time to kind of talk to each other, you know, before the class and then let's go. And I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, you still have to show up and push play, right? This is the difference too. I think as in the new world that we're living in, you know, where so much of what we're doing is remote now. But there's a big difference between that, even as like homegrown as it is. Like I like to say, my like, yeah, cat's a Zoom camera. There's nothing fancy about it. But that's a big difference than like an app where you're spending twelve ninety-nine a month. It's like that app doesn't care that you're there. <laughs> Turning it on. No. You know, or I don't want to do that exercise. Or I don't like, oh, let me go answer a phone call or text a friend. And it's like and I do notice, you know, a difference in the type of personality that I work with or that I have worked with over the years of people who do going back to what I was saying, create a system for themselves, whatever that looks like. You know, whether their budget is like, listen, I can do group classes. I can't do personal training, but I can do group classes with a coach. Great. That's what I'm gonna do. Because I know that my sorry not to Peloton, but like that twelve ninety nine isn't gonna cut isn't gonna be the thing that's gonna move the dial for me.
1: Well
3: that's not gonna it
1: does work and let's be transparent. Even with those apps. Even if you're getting a reminder that says, hey, Jennifer, we haven't seen you in a long time. It's not coming from a person. So it's kind of like,
3: whatever. I think initially when Peloton was smaller, five, six years ago, when they had a small audience, that community worked really well, actually. I think that's what helped catapult them because there was that. People were checking in on each other. Mm-hmm. Well, the instructor was giving shout outs of people really that really resonated with people. But then they, you know, they made friends with other people online and they were talking and all these groups. And that, that still does happen to a certain degree, but not everybody, you know, we're all motivated by different things, right? So, what motivates right. me and what keeps me accountable might be very different than, you know, Nicole or Anita. It's just that's just the yes. way it is. You have to really get honest with yourself about what motivates you and then create the environment, you know, so that you can create a consistent habit, but like the accountability of that is accountable to yourself, accountable to other people, accountable to a coach.
1: I think you just nailed it on the head right there. You got to find an accountability system that works for you. Maybe a reminder on the phone does work for you. Yeah. Maybe you need more than that. Yeah, absolutely.
2: When I started working out in college, I, um, you know, college dorm rooms, I had a roommate. She and I said we would go to the gym together every day at 8 a.m., and I'm not a morning person. I never have been. I don't particularly love it, but she is. And her alarm would go off at eight a.m. And I would hear, her, and I'm like, I hope she doesn't wake up. I hope she doesn't wake up today. But she, like, I would hear her get out of bed, and I would say, like, you know, damn it, like now I have to go. But that's what got me into the habit of it. And then, in all honesty, that was what 2007, roughly. Since then, I've always had like my own accountability buddies, whether I did the same workout as them or not. Like I would, you know, work at the gym and my friends would go to the gym at night. So I would work out with them at night. I knew it was my structured time to actually go. There was a period of time I didn't have like a group to go with and it was really hard. And then I met my husband and same thing. I would leave work. I would say, I'm on my way to the gym. He would meet me at the gym and that was it. Right. And So even like, you know, somebody who is a professional, somebody who like, I know everything I need to know about working out and I still 15 years later have my own like accountability buddies.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. Nicole, your top reason people don't see results?
4: Consistency, which I think is a beautiful segue from accountability, because if you don't have those systems set up and you don't have that accountability piece, it really is much harder to be consistent with your workouts, your nutrition plan, anything in life that you're trying to create as a habit or behavior change or modification. One of the things we know about consistency is that consistency in small amounts creates big results over periods of time, right? So the main things that I think consistency is really powerful for is when you are consistent in creating a habit, and I'm going to speak from a nutrition standpoint because that's my spot, increasing your protein intake for the day. You can start with a very basic way to increase your protein on a consistent basis, is there protein on your plate three meals a day? Simple question, simple way to get it in. You're not changing too much. You're just making sure to what you were saying earlier in terms of accountability, this becomes just a sense of awareness, right? Am I getting it done? When the consistency and awareness builds, we start to build momentum. We start to create change and then voila, we create results. And when results happen, we gain momentum in terms of motivation. So as those things start to piece together, our clients get super excited because these tiny little things that we change from a nutrition standpoint or exercise standpoint, whatever it may be, that consistency starts to manipulate the rest of the way we think and behave. And so one is that it helps drive motivation. Two is it builds momentum. And three, which I think is really important, um, and this also goes back to accountability, is People want really fast results, but they're a lot of the times really afraid to identify what might be going wrong or what might not be working for them. When you consistently build a habit, the quicker we get that habit to be achieved, the faster we get to realize what's actually working for the positive or the negative. So we actually get to see what improvements or areas improvements we need to fix quicker, especially from a nutrition standpoint, because there's so many ways that we can build that house. There's lots of ways to go about doing it, right? So if you figure that out quicker and you're not afraid to really address the situation, then we can pivot, make changes, and you actually get your results faster, which is what everybody wants. So the accountability factor is beautiful combination to the consistency factor and bringing those two together and kind of piling on that habit change, behavior change, and then consistently doing it is what builds the momentum for, you know, ultimate achieving of the whatever goal may be set. I like a three-tier approach, which I use with all my clients when it comes to consistency. I give them three different options. And then from there we get to choose which one might be the most effective for their nutrition plan. So something as simple as making sure protein is on your plate for three meals a day could be a tier 1 approach to consistency. How well can you do this? From now till the end of your goal setting career, which goals evolve and change, right? So that's going to be a lifestyle and forever. And the second tier may be what's the quality of protein? Now you know you're getting protein on your plate at every meal. Ah, Like that, quality is it? What type of protein do you really like? Like, what could we add, change, swap, and make better? And then the third tier may be. Something along a little more you know, intense where we're actually tracking, weighing and measuring, which to some people is really helpful in terms of learning and becoming aware and becoming educated of what they really are putting in their body and how much each of those tiers can create epic change if you do them consistently over time. But the barrier of entry has to be really easy it has to be effective for your goals, and it has to be enjoyable. It has to be something you really look forward to doing. Because if it doesn't, I mean, listen, it's not going to be easy. I don't want to sugarcoat it. It's still going to be challenging and hard to do, but it does have to have some sort of enjoyment. So if your first tier is that you just have to have protein on your plate, it doesn't matter if you're eating on the go. It doesn't matter if you're eating out with friends. It doesn't matter if you're making it at home. So there's no excuse as to whether protein is on the plate or not. You just have to choose which one might be your jam for this particular piece of the consistency tier. And then you can build from there. I love that you started off with such a, again, I
1: don't want to use the word easy, but an example like adding protein to every meal, right? Because I think when people hear the word consistency, they think they have to be 100% on their workout and 100% eating to their diet, I'm doing the air quotes, right? And if it's not 100%, then they're not consistent. And truly, from the professional standpoint, that's not what we mean, typically, when we say consistency.
4: I think people are really hard on themselves. They think that if it's not perfect, we all I'm sure every one of us here has talked about at some point, perfection versus progress, like it's it's not about being perfect. And perfect gets us nowhere. But in a bad mindset and really negative on ourselves. It's really truly authentically about what can you actually do on a day-to-day basis, whether that you can use the word consistent, you can use the word ritualistic or habit or behavior. Like, honestly, it really doesn't matter. We're trying to fit positive reinforcement into the life you currently live. And then just slowly morph that little by little over a lifetime. It's not about an all or nothing approach where you change everything in life, and then you can't do it for more than 10, 12 right. weeks, and then you go yeah. back to the beginning, right? Right. Laura, you
1: wanted to talk about?
2: Commitment level. Yeah. So more often than not, and again, I'm sure we all go through this in our own capacities too, but more often than not, people say that they're committed to reaching their goals, and then two days later, they stop working out, they stop eating the way you know we coach them to eat or Committed to themselves that they would end up doing because something better came along. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: You know, we get in this, I mean, this is like really piggybacking everything here. We get in this habit of saying, like, I'm going to work out five times a week. I'm going to eat perfectly at every single meal. That's kind of unattainable. That's again being like unrealistic for potentially your life. But I think a lot of people start off with that mindset. And within a couple of days, like I said, like they, fall off the wagon because it was like too much change for them too soon without even realizing that. And then, you know, we spin it in a different way that when we start to make those habit changes, we start to make the, you know, commitment to ourselves and start to make consistent changes. Again, people tend to, and this is what I've mostly seen. It's not everybody, obviously. People tend to just either forget about their commitments or they don't know how to progress them even more into becoming more committed to their goals. But, you know, some examples that I've seen working with clients is somebody tells me they're committed. They're ready to lose weight. They're ready to get stronger. They're ready to start working out three times a week, even two times a week, three times a week, something simple and achievable, but they're going to go travel for a couple of weeks. And all of a sudden they can't work out because they're traveling. Another example is what somebody, they say they don't have time, but yet you know, one of my clients, she does push-ups at her counter while her coffee is brewing. Like that's commitment, but it doesn't have to be this all or nothing black and white style of work. know it doesn't have to be this huge chunk of their day. It doesn't have to be a, you know, complete mind shift change to make that commitment. It's just something small that can be done throughout the day. Yeah. I think when people, people have like false beliefs that they're very committed and yet they're, afraid and or not ready. Maybe not ready is a better way to phrase it. They're not ready to take action on themselves, but verbally they say they are, and mentally they're not. just not ready.
4: Yeah, They're committed until the roadblocks start to come in, or the chaos in life.
2: Yes, exactly. Exactly.
4: Start to happen. And this is where I think coaching or a trainer is extremely valuable because having someone to, as a soundboard, to help navigate through when things start to get hard or chaotic or become a challenge is super helpful to have that one-on-one individualized approach to, okay, so what didn't work? Where are your areas of opportunity of what we can make better? And then let's come up with a plan together as a team, coach and client, this next week, even better. And then as you morph in that coaching experience, they become more accountable for themselves, more committed to themselves, more consistent in their behavior. And then you are now empowering them to do this as an individual. I don't want my clients too long as their goals morph, they come back for more, which is wonderful. (laughs) Wedding, baby, buying a house, moving doing a competition, doing a powerlifting meet, maybe their body's changing in menopause. Oh, I'm going through that now. As things start to change, right? You come back for different stages in life, which is incredible growth opportunity to learn about yourself in all of those areas. These accountability, consistency, and commitment is going to morph. It doesn't stay the same. It all changes. And we know that if We don't change things. Nothing changes. So this isn't something that's a one-time moment. There's going to be all these different aspects of life that we grow and develop and have to kind of pivot and change. And this is one of the reasons why this is where I'm going to get all excited. I get so crazy about this industry because there's so much good stuff. And as females, empowering females to grow and develop and take on things, That are hard and become better. I mean, literally, that's what gets me up in the morning every day.
2: (laughs) It's awesome, and I say, like you said, our lives do evolve over time. Like your commitment level changes based off of like what you're actually going through. And you know, like I just had a baby recently, and all of a sudden, like I was committed. I never needed, like, I haven't needed help in like the fitness area for the last however many years up until I had my baby. And all of a sudden, I'm sleep deprived. I'm tired. I say I want to achieve my goals. I say I'm ready to achieve my goals. But if I didn't sleep the night before, I'm more than likely just going to you know, sit on the couch. So it's even from somebody who is a professional, from somebody that never needed help before, all of a sudden I needed help. I needed to like recommit to myself, recommit to my goals in order to make those changes for me. And I think you're exactly right, Nicole. The the shift is you know, constantly in flow and people don't always see it from that outside perspective that life is changing. It's okay to shift. It's okay to change your commitment level. It's okay to change your goals too. Um, And that's why I, as a coach, I like to ask people what they are willing to do. I never want to tell them what their goals are, obviously. I never want to tell them what to do. I say, what do you want to do? What is your goal for this month? What can you do this week? I'm going to check in with you at the end of the week to see if you were on top of your goals, but they are your goals. You say them to yourself and that's where accountability comes into play. You're being accountable to yourself. You're kind of being accountable to me, but at the same time, it really is your life and your life you want to change.
3: I think Laura, I was just, that really resonated with me. Cause I was thinking, you know, talk about like the, I said, you know, sometimes even just leave yourself a little voice note or write a notebook. I mean, I've done that in periods of my life when I was trying to make a shift or a change mm-hmm. and, you know, and I do, I think it's not realistic for people to not expect that their goals are going to change and evolve over time. I mean, even, you know, a thing that comes up and I know Nicole, you said you do, you know, you do mostly nutrition and I'm sure that this comes up for you a little bit when people look, back to what worked once upon a time and they always want to go you know whether it was good or bad. I mean sometimes it was good. Yeah, you know, like okay, I got to go back to what, you know, counting macros actually really worked for me. I don't know how I fell off track. So it's up for us the coach to say, okay, if that felt like it was a good strategy, I'm open to trying that again, whatever the case may be. Sometimes it's not a healthy reflection and they're like, "Well, this really worked, the super extreme thing." And you, you know, you you've got to nip that in the bud, but I think Really, it comes down to personality style as I've sort of reflect on the people I've worked with all these years. It's like, there are those who sort of need things to be like (laughs) really straight, narrow, and black and white. They have a hard time accepting that it's okay to change what your goals are. It's okay to like not be so, you guys have mentioned you were in the fitness competitor stage. So I'm sure this resonates. So when I was in my twenties, I kind of got involved with a group of women that were doing that. And that was when I really started to understand about macronutrients and and how your nutrition really can affect your body in a very quick way. But I knew for myself, I'm like, I don't want to be that. I love, I think that's so cool that I was able to just do that. But I don't, I, it like, it scared me a little bit, honestly, because I'm like, I just could see that being a trap. (laughs) You know what I mean? And no, you know, no judgment, but I just knew for myself, like I had to go down that road to go, yeah, not so much a goal anymore. I got to go over here, you know?
1: To go back to commitment level, Laura, obviously, you, most of you, Jennifer, you didn't know this, but I started off my career in the fitness industry and in group fitness. Then I got into being the membership director at a high-end women's gym in the Boston Brookline area. And we had very much a process when women came and, you know, met with me and talked about the gym and they wanted to see, you know, give them a tour and all this stuff, right? We very much had this process. And, uh, Part of the process was me asking, you know, the woman in front of me, so how committed are you to your goals? And, you know, of course, very committed. Okay. How many times a week um, do you see yourself working out here? That was part of the strategy, right? To get them to envision themselves there. And I cannot tell you how many women would look me dead in the eye and be like, every day, I I can, I can do it every day. I can. And I'm like, "Mm, no, that's not going to (laughs) happen. Yeah. (laughs) Everybody I've ever met with said the same thing. Really? Yeah. And so part of me, like really relating to women and wanting them to set up successfully with us, right? Like my goal was not to just sell a bunch of memberships to women who were not going to come. Obviously the goal was to get them in and loving the gym and really, you know, feeling part of the community there and getting results and so I would have to kind of nicely be like realistically with your job and your family like how many times do we think that we can realistically commit to again talking about like consistency accountability because I'm your person now and I'm going to check up on you in a month to see how your membership is going and your commitment level like what can we realistically think like you told me you have kids you told me you have this busy job and it would take them that little bit and then they would stop and go yeah you're right maybe like three days a week i'm like there we are that's more of a realistic but i think that you know now that we're going into the new year people do have that set up in their heads because this is a really right we're recording this december 8th it's a really busy season people are feeling like they're, you know, they're letting their fitness and those like priorities slide a little bit sometimes because they've got other things they're feeling overwhelmed with, which I get, I understand. So this new year mindset comes this like I'm going to get 100%, I'm going to go, I'm going to kill all the workouts. I'm going to be like a meal prepping queen, which is amazing, right? But realistically, how long can we consistently stick to that commitment level?
2: I'm going to even like use myself as an example again, after having the baby and like kind of, you know, getting a new life and lifestyle and, you know, my whole like fitness identity that I had kind of like went to the wayside for a little while because that wasn't my priority Mm -hmm. anymore. And, you know, consistency, accountability, commitment level. I finally got to the point where I was like working out regularly, but my commitment level was three times a week. So it like, you know, took me time to even get back up to three times a week with, Sanity and naps in between, <laughs> um, but my eating at the same time, I stopped focusing on my eating as much. I didn't care what I ate. I was just eating as you know, as I was hungry. I wasn't counting macros, which I had done in the past, and that did work for me. But I couldn't mentally, physically handle that. And then same thing. I'm holding myself now accountable to working out four times a week because that is my commitment level, and I'm going to start tracking my food a little bit better. And that's where the consistency comes into right. play four times a week consistency and I'm creating an an accountability group with some friends for my own accountability to be able to do that. And again, these are just like simple tools that we can all use to, I mean, this is a whole conversation, change our lives, but you start small and then you slowly progress on your way up to make that commitment level to yourself without, again, saying you're just going to work out five times a week when you've never worked out before in your life or that's dramatic. But
1: I mean, there are some people who are going to be starting fitness routines for the first time. And maybe some who are just trying to increase or get better, progress their fitness routine, recommit. My reason, because I was thinking about you guys have all these great consistency, commitment level, you know, processes for accountability and systems that I was like, I can't go and not, we can't not talk about proper nutrition. And for me, I think about this mostly, not so much for my online clients, because most of my online clients and you guys can tell me what most of your clients do. They're both they're doing both the fitness and nutrition. But when clients hire me as a one on one personal trainer in person, I find that this is a big kind of setback for them because they are investing in that in person training and that feels like big enough for them and feel like, okay, this is a big enough change. This is a big enough investment. I should see all these big results but obviously you ladies know we all know that the two have to go hand in hand when it comes to real physical results um, and i will be honest as a personal trainer one-on-one again online business separate, i struggle to have that conversation with someone who's not bringing it up or asking about it. does that make sense yeah because it's like they hired me they want the workout they want the butt kicking, they want the muscle tone, they want the weight loss. Okay, well, we have to talk about proper nutrition.
4: Yeah, at some point, we're not with them the other 23 hours of the day when they're making choices that we have no idea what's going on. Even from sleep, stress, nutrition, there's so many other factors to that. But you're right, a lot of people come in and do that one-hour session and think, oh my gosh, that one hour in the gym is going to just you know, it's earth shattering and my whole life is going to change. And we talk about this a lot on the E-Right Nutrition podcast. That one hour is just like 1% of all the other things that are part of a health and wellness program. Mindset is another piece to that as well.
1: Yeah. And when I say proper nutrition too, like just to clarify for people listening, I think you guys know this, but I don't mean like a diet. I don't mean necessarily restrictiveness, like cutting things out, like some people, proper nutrition for them might be adding, right, adding more food, adding more carbs, healthy fats, focusing on the protein on at every meal. So it's different for everybody. But I think people just get in their head. But if I'm going to add this intense exercise, I'm going to invest in these training sessions, and then they forget about that nutrition piece. And then it ends up being kind of like, eh, I have to eat better. I will eat better. I know what to do. I just haven't done it yet. Or I need to get back to it.
2: That goes like a summary of everything we just said too. It's, I have to do this, but something's holding me back from it.
4: Yeah. And so much of health and wellness is individualized. Like, listen, we all squat in a workout program. Mm -hmm. for the most part, right? Unless you have issues, then we find a different way to work those same muscle groups. Nutrition is no different. We all need to have protein. How we do it is going to be different for everybody. So the goal behind a coach or learning about your individual body of what you need from exercise and nutrition is going to be the defining moment here as to whether you can hold yourself accountable, be consistent, be committed, and then ultimately get the results that you want. So everything ties in so beautifully, such a great episode, Nina, because all of these things, you know, the title of this is, you know, why you aren't getting the results, right? These factors are all huge aspects of everything. It's an all encompassing lifestyle. So if your workouts and your nutrition are not coupled together to give you as the individual the best results you can get for your life, whatever that may be in whatever stage, then I think it's time to fine-tune
2: and look a little deeper. That's all. Add into when you like, do start working out with a trainer, right? You do your one hour a week or two hours a week, whatever it ends up being. Typically, you're more hungry after your workouts also. So if you don't have a proper nutrition plan, a diet, whatever, and again, that's individualized. It's, it is what it means to you. If you don't have that set and you're not adhering to something or following something, even if it's very, very loosely based – could have the tendency to overeat and overindulge when you are starting a workout program because your body does need that fuel. It does need to intake more in order to build and to grow differently. But again, it has to be appropriate.
1: And that brings us back to Jennifer's point about accountability, right? So if you do have a nutrition coach in your life, hopefully someone you've hired to help you, even if you're doing workouts on your own, whether it's through an app or just you know coming up with your own stuff, that's when you can be like, hey, I've noticed that XYZ, I'm hungry, I'm ravenous after workouts, or I've been craving things at night. And I think that's what people tend to forget about nutrition um, and having proper nutrition is we forget that things like dips in energy, cravings, those things could be from improper nutrition, right? Like, We're not eating the right things during the day. That's why we're craving these other things at night. And I think for the most part, we've just as a society become so conditioned to be like, well, I have a sweet tooth. Or I just love coffee or find reasons rather than going, oh, maybe there are some gaps in my nutrition that can be filled and I wouldn't be feeling like this. Like I had a client say to me once, We've been working together for like three months now, one-on-one online stuff. So fitness and nutrition, she just said that she thought that was the way she was supposed to feel if she was trying to lose weight. Like she felt like crap. She felt low energy. She felt cranky because she was trying to cut all the carbs and cut all the fat. And she just thought like that's the way she should feel like that. That was a normal feeling when on a weight loss journey.
2: Yeah. I say nobody wants to live their outside life like that too. Like this fitness and health and nutrition, clearly it's, you know, what we do and it's our, our lives and our livelihood. But for everybody else, it is just a small piece of the puzzle. So you want to lose weight, you want to eat well, et cetera, because that's how you are going to feel physically and energetically. However, you also want to be able to live in your outside life you know, physically active. You want to have energy in your outside life. Let's say you want to play with your kids and you want to play with your grandkids. You want the energy to do so and you want to be able to get from the floor to standing quickly enough to like go catch them or whatever it is. But yeah, you like, you shouldn't have to feel cranky. You shouldn't have to feel depleted because you are going to need to do those activities in your everyday life.
3: Well, I know that when you, you probably see this too, because it's just there, there sometimes there's a very big disconnect back to what you say more like, This is what we do. I mean, all of us have like been in this business, fitness and nutrition, all of it, how it, you know, how it encompasses together for life for true lifestyle change. So for us, it's like we can kind of do not to sound trite, but like we can kind of do this in our sleep, right? We just know this. We live and breathe it. When you're dealing with general population, it's amazing to me, and amazing in a good way, because you realize you're like, wow, I really have my workout for me to educate this person and to help coach them so that they don't feel miserable going through this process of change. That in and of itself is difficult. It's not even the the what to do's. It's the educating you back to what you were saying, Nina, about your client. Like to say, no, feeling hungry, starving, lightheaded, and cranky is not the goal. (laughs) That's not the goal. That's a red flag. We want to change that. Unfortunately, I feel like that's more the norm than yeah, that's more the norm than the exception.
1: You guys are all shaking your heads, so you're all you've heard it from clients,
2: right? Yeah, I'm gonna go deep into our, like our lives and our society, right? We're always taught to like work more and like burn yourself out, and that's okay because it means you're successful. And it does kind of translate into a lot of other things that we do in our lives, right? Including fitness and nutrition. Right. Increase the intensity of my workouts. I don't have
1: to focus on the proper nutrition. I think sometimes that can be
2: exactly. And I'm gonna burn myself out some more. I'm gonna work harder because that means I'm doing a great job. I don't know
1: if you guys have ever had this thought, but I was thinking about it the other day, I think because I was
2: thinking of this
1: upcoming episode. And so when I started in the fitness industry, it was on the group fitness side. So very much exercise, exercise intensity, you know, burn calories in this class type thing. And now with what I'm seeing with clients and what I'm enjoying more of, I'm like, I almost wish in hindsight that I started off in the industry on the nutrition side in order to start working with clients on that aspect first and then on the fitness side. Because I do feel like sometimes it's easier for people to join a gym or get committed to a trainer and you know have that accountability, which is great, but then forget a little bit about this nagging nutrition thing <laughs> in the back that also needs to be addressed.
2: I think even like I worked in corporate gyms for nine years. And I wish that they had offered, I mean, one of the gyms did the one we all worked for. Um, it didn't have that service, but a lot of the gyms I worked for, didn't have a nutrition service at all. So mm-hmm. like I was just a trainer, even if I had a nutrition cert, people weren't coming to me because they wanted nutrition advice, even though they needed it. They were coming to me because this is a personal training session and that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. That was it. So it wasn't really like even acknowledged or talked about as often with me and where I was.
1: Yeah. I think now, hopefully, at least a lot of the higher end gyms are doing a better job of integrating both. I mean, Nicole, what do you think at your facility?
4: We are a strong advocate of nutrition. That's probably one of the first things that we address. And a lot of the times, personal training doesn't happen alone, it's a dual service. At the very least, baseline education.
1: Do you feel like clients are seeing more results because of that? Oh,
4: yes, absolutely. I mean, you can't outwork out anything, even stress. Like there's too many things we've evolved. I mean, listen, I've been in this street a long time. We, when I first started, I was just doing training as well, but I also realized very quickly that people were asking about what they should be eating before they come to see me. What type of, you know, that I'd be asking, where's your water when you came in to do your workouts? Like, it's evolved. It's a beautiful evolution of getting people more in touch to what they're eating and what their stress levels are and how they're sleeping. Like we're finally getting it. It can't just be one factor. It's it's a lifestyle becomes a bit of a dash of everything. So, you know, I feel like I've been really blessed and grateful that I've been able to evolve with the industry and give myself the opportunity to give clients more. So that I think that's where the longevity is of trainers. If you're educating yourself and getting better and learning more of how to provide great service to your clients, there's anything we've learned in the past two years, even with COVID is that your health is not something that you can ignore or ride out that you have got to be the person that takes control, figures out what works best for you and really hunker down and buckle down on what you want that to look like for your day to day.
1: Absolutely. I love that. So as a recap, let's go over. I don't even know if I want to call it the top four reasons you're not seeing results. Let's say like the top four things that are going to help you get results. There you go. (laughs) I like that because I feel like as we start to talk about it, I'm like, instead of saying lack of, but we're going to go with accountability systems right, from Jennifer, whether it's a coach, a workout buddy, workout reminders, setting that time in your calendar. I do it. I'm sure you ladies do it too in between clients at the end of the day. If it wasn't in my calendar, I know I would skip it. So I'm definitely a huge uh, proponent of that. Consistency. But what I love what you pointed out, Nicole, was the small consistency. The little habits are going to create that big change, getting consistent with something small, uh, versus committing to this huge thing and feeling you need to be 100% on there's no such thing as perfection. So getting consistent with those nice, small habits that builds into bigger habits that build into a lifestyle of results, commitment level. I felt like what I heard from you, Laura, was getting realistic with your commitment level. Right. Like kind of not overshooting to start and then being OK with if that commitment level has to evolve over time, which I think is huge. And then proper nutrition. And, if you know, you're listening to this and you're thinking because I know that this is probably happening, but I do eat healthy. Right. But I do eat healthy. If you are listening to this and you feel like, but I do, then maybe that is time to reach out to a nutrition coach you know, whatever it is, whether you know someone in the industry already, uh, whether it's one of us on this podcast. So if you check out the show notes, I am going to be dropping everybody's Instagram handle, their website, email, easiest way to contact any of these ladies. I mean, collaboratively, we have Jesus. I can't do the math right off the top of my head, but lots of experience. (laughs) So Feel free to get in touch with someone here if you need help, whether it's, you know, just some guidance on meal planning, nutrition coaching, ongoing changes. We're happy to help you here. Let's go around real quick and drop those Instagram handles. If you guys don't mind, Jennifer, how can people find you online? At Jennifer
3: Kirsch Fitness. Awesome.
1: Easy enough. Yep.
3: That's my Instagram and my website.
4: Oh, perfect. Great. Nicole? It's at Eat Right Nutrition, E-A-T-R-I-T-E, Nutrition. And that's both the Instagram handle and the website. Yep.
1: And if you have not subscribed to that podcast after listening to this one, go ahead and do that. I listened to that with, um,
4: who's your co-host again? Darone is my co-host. We worked together um, at the gym that I'm currently, well, actually he was here in Boston. He's back in New York. So he we started the the podcast during COVID when we were both bored to tears and had nothing to do. And we decided all of the evening conversations that we talked about all of our, you know, client things, we were like, we might as well start recording this. And that's how it was born. Really. That's awesome. I've listened
1: to it often. I really enjoy your topics. Thank you. So after you're done listening to this, go on subscribe and follow to eat Right nutrition. And then Laura, how can people get in touch with you? Find you?
2: Yeah, Instagram is my main point of contact these days. It's the easiest thing for me to do with a little one. Um, it's at laura.e.mahoney. At laura.e.mahoney.
1: And I will drop all this stuff in the show notes for anybody who's just kind of reading through that stuff. I can't thank you ladies enough. It was so good like chatting with you, catching up and sharing these stories. Thank you for taking the time today. Thank you for having me. Lovely to meet you guys. Too. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Nice to meet you guys too. Yay. All right. I hope you guys enjoy the holidays.
0: All right, you guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Making Fit Work. If you did, it would mean so much to me if you took a minute to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. It really does make a difference and would be super helpful to me. Also, if you have any topic suggestions, if there's something in particular you'd love for me to address on this podcast, feel free to shoot me a message. I would absolutely love to hear from you. You can shoot me a DM on Facebook or Instagram and find me at fitwith underscore Nina. Again, you can find me at fitwith underscore Nina or you can join my private community on Facebook called Making Fit Work and drop topic suggestions in there. Until next time, my friends, be strong. Be healthy, be happy.